Well, Flint Cliffs Manufacturing of Burlington, Iowa has presented the Burlington Greyhounds football season this year. And we have a, a we've been giving out Coach of the Year uh, awards for the levels. And we've got the Coach of the Year for the whole year, for the whole last 38 years combined. And that's Coach Creckle of the Burlington Greyhounds. Welcome to the program, Coach. Well, I appreciate the award. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on here. Um, and I'm just, uh, I've been blessed to be around a lot of good people here at Burlington. And uh, it just, uh, it was it was my decision. I wanted to go out on a high note in a, in a time where I enjoyed everything I was doing. And, and that's what I'm doing. And it's on my own terms. And I'm thankful for that. So appreciate having me. Well, uh, I'm going to, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the whole gamut of football in your life. And my first question about you is I want to take you back to the first moment you ever strapped on a, a, a helmet. Uh, uh, I want to know about, was your dad a football guy? Did you have brothers that played football? Where did you go to school at? And maybe who were some of the, when you were a kid, who were some of the high school football players you looked up? Yeah, I mean, uh, my brother, uh, Bill Crackle, he's a couple years older than me. You know, when I was in uh, middle school, I used to watch him. Or actually, I used to watch him play middle school football at Horse Man in Burlington when that school no longer exists. It burnt down many years ago, but it was one of our old middle schools. I used to always, I always used to love looking at my brother's helmets at the back when they just had an old white helmet, a uh, little three-bar or two-bar face mask. And then what they had on the helmets, they got stars and skulls and all this stuff that were always red based on, you know, what you might have done in a game, tackles, big hits, you know, turnovers, touchdowns. And just, uh, other than playing sandlot ball, I was just kind of infatuated, like, wow, someday I'd like to I'd like to have a helmet with stars and all those things on it. And uh, football was just something I always loved. And, and uh, that was my first taste of it, going through middle school and junior high, and, and I enjoyed it. I had a lot of good friends and teammates back then that followed me all the way through high school from there. And that was uh, that was a good time in life. In fact, it was it was pretty much that age, Dave. I I would doodle with football plays. I had these couple old board games, football board games that it would have diagrams and. And I got kind of fascinated with the diagrams of a football play. And I used to kind of draw up my own stuff and don't know if it was any good. Don't even know if it had the correct amount of players on it. <laughs> but I remember doing it. And uh, I remember one time I, I drew up plays in middle school and said, my brother was in high school at the time. I said, here, uh, Dad, give this to our, our coach off. And he's the head coach. I go, these are good plays. They're going to work. He says, all right, son, you keep drawing plays. I'll, I'll give them to him. He was Coach Hoffman's classmate. But don't know if they ever made it to Coach Hoffman. They probably went in, uh, you know, circular file 99 in somebody's trash can. But my dad, he, he, I never would have known that as a kid or, or even what happened to him because my dad would just he looked at me and say, yep, keep drawing them. Yep, that looks good, son, you know, just encouragement and stuff like that. But Middle school football was had a huge impact on my life. Uh, well, what kind of a player were you? Uh, just your your typical, uh, you know. I think I got to be more of a roughhouser the older older I got, and uh, I really enjoyed the the tackling. I mean, it was okay to throw balls, catch balls, and scores, but I, I'd rather just you know drill somebody into the earth 
was kind of my, my style and Sam. <laughs> I believe it. And uh, I just, you know, that's just the way it was. But I, I enjoyed, you know, when I'd run the ball and Sandlot ball. And it was more fun when you had two or three people hanging on you and you were trying to run for two or three more, more yards. I think I had more fun doing that because it's just physical. So I kind of just took that style and just remained an aggressive type player all through uh, high school and stuff. And I had wonderful teammates who were kind of like me that were good at roughhousing and uh, just, you know, just, just smash mouth the old words of, of football, saying loud football. I mean, people would have, you know, allergies all the time or you'd have blood in your clothes when you went home or ripped up shirts and pants and everything else. But, you know, my mom or dad would never say a word. They're just like, okay, yeah, take it down to the laundry and, uh, and that would be about it. So they never complained about any of that. I think they loved the fact that we were outside and we weren't in the house uh, and we were getting a lot of exercise. I mean, we played for hours, hours upon hours. So, yeah, Well, uh, those, let, those let's work. talk about uh, uh, there was a point uh, uh, where you were a player and it was your last game and you walked off the field. Uh, I kind of talked yes. to you earlier about maybe you might have a special connection with some of the seniors that were walking off the field. What was that like, and did you think it was the football end, or did you even dream that there would be 38 more years of it? Well, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I know where I was at. It was Brady Street Stadium up. We were playing Davenport Central. Uh, I know we lost that game. It was disappointing. We started off being a ranked team that year. A mean, mean old Bettendorf came down here, and we toe-to-toe for – Holy cow, I think it was about uh, 46 and a half minutes uh, going toe-to-toe, zero-zero. And uh, we actually had the ball with like a minute left. We were on our 40-yard line or something, and uh, we had a turnover. And, and then Bettendorf moved it about another 15, 20 yards and kicked a, a game-winning field goal, 3 nothing. we lost. That's uh, all I remember with, with not very much time left or remaining seconds or left basically and uh that was a heartbreaker because we had high hopes as a senior class and uh you know we wanted to be ranked and you know make the play you know make the playoffs and all that kind of stuff and and uh, it just didn't happen we lost that game and and uh we lost another tough game along that year to a really talented kid that went to play at at uh, notre dame university he was over in field and he scored about four touchdowns on us and we got upset Really, that, that was kind of an upset. And, Did you say uh, Fairfield? Yeah. So that, was that was Milt Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, I, I went to school with Milt. Yes, you did. <laughs> he oh, was he was uh, he was an amazing athlete. Oh wow, uh, he was he was something special. And I think I think in our game, uh, and I my recollection, Davis, I think he scored on a on a reverse on a, on a bomb. Uh, on a either a kick or a punt return and something else. And he, this kid, you just did everything. I was there. We were just like, and we, and we had, yeah, we had great kids on our team. And he just single-handedly, uh, you know, kind of carried your team. And he would have carried our team single-handedly. And not that you don't have a good team or, or they didn't. And you guys yeah, didn't. I, I, my money would be on whatever that. team Milt was playing on, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of that's how we felt after the game. We talked to him and we're just like, dude, you're – you're a tremendous player, you know, hats off to you. Wow. So, you know, that's just kind of how the, the senior season. So that last game at Brady street, 
how it ended. I mean, uh, did I, I, I really wasn't thinking about my, my college or years or what I was going to do, but I remember sitting there thinking uh, how disappointing it was to, you know, have it come to an end, even though I knew it had to come to an end. And uh, it hurt. And then uh, that's when I decided to, I had to make a choice. And uh, between me and my dad, I wanted to play a little college football. I had St. Ambrose and some, you know, division, NAI schools, division threes and twos and stuff like that. And uh, I was uh, uh, thinking about playing there and the financials were just better to play uh, junior college baseball. So I did. And uh, when I got done with that two years, Dave, I missed football so much. I told my dad, I said, look, I just want to go on to Northern Iowa. I want to be a teacher and a coach. I know that's what I want to do. And uh, I, I just want to start coaching. He goes, well, when you get up there, you know, start to know some high school teams. Maybe you can do that while you're up there. And that's my, my route led is, is up that direction first. Wow, that's a cool story, man. So um, so when you, um, when you graduate, uh, uh, you and I there, um, how long does it take before you get your first taste of coaching? Well, the, the first taste of coaching happened while I was at UNI. So okay. It was uh, the last two years of college. Uh, I was there. And uh, as I said before, I kind of my dad, I want, to, I want to coach high school football. I I was really nervous, but I went and I, I found Coach Pat Mitchell at Cedar Falls High School because it was the local high school. And uh, I said, you know, I know he's a really good coach. They win a lot of games. They do a lot of things right. They played at the Unidome, all their home games at the time. Now they have a stadium outside the Unidome. Uh, you can see it from the dome there. Uh, but anyway, I approached him. I remember being so nervous, and I went and I got an appointment time, met him after school, and and uh, he just kept saying Burlington, huh? And I go, yes, sir. And he's just like, okay. And he'd say some other things, and he'd look at me, and he goes, you're from Burlington, huh? The Greyhounds. And I go, yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, this all was leading to something I didn't know it at the time, but he, he, he finally is like, he shows me all this organizational stuff, and I'm just floored. I'm thinking, wow, this is what a football coach does. Files upon files upon position areas and schedules, and everything was all in this office and up on his walls. And, and I was like, oh, my Lord. But anyway, the he goes, well, Jim, I'd love to have you join our staff. You can help with the sophomores next football season. You can get a, a one-credit practicum with the university, and we'd love to have you aboard. And I said, well, thanks. And I was about ready to leave, and he goes, by the way, I met my wife in Burlington, Iowa, and that's who I married, and still married today to her. I go to Burlington quite a bit. <laughs> so that was kind of an odd Burlington story, because I never would have thought that. And, uh, I, of course, then he started smiling. He wasn't so, he wasn't so business-like then. He just had a big smile. He goes, I'm looking forward to being a McKinley here in a couple of weeks. And he goes, if you, if you need something, he goes, I'll look you up, and if not, I'll, I'll see you when August comes around. And so that's how I started. I started uh, coaching football, you know, under all the coaches he had on his staff, learning about organization and all that stuff. And then, to tell you the truth, kind of just speeded forward. That was a great experience. My second year, my last year of school, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to go back and work with them again because I just felt comfortable. And, and the university's like, well, no, you got to go student teach somewhere different than where you've been. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a rule. They're like, yes, once you get as many experiences as you can. And, and that's true. I, I, I needed to. And 
it's a good policy. But I ended up at Waterloo West in my teaching assignment. I told them, I said, well, look, I want to be a high school football coach in addition to being a high school PE teacher. And they're like, well, we're going to give you an assignment in the fall, and we're going to set it up for you, and you're going to go over and meet Ed Nelson. He's the head varsity football coach. Waterloo West, of course, I knew Waterloo West because we had played them in the Unidome with Cedar Falls the year before. So, uh, yeah, I went over and met Coach Nelson, and again, fantastic coach. I think he just won a state title at Dyke. At the time, Dyke might have been by itself. I don't think it was Dyke New Hartford back then. Not quite sure, but so many years ago. But, yeah, I, I met him and uh, went from there and uh, learned a lot of good football. The cool part between Cedar Falls and Waterloo West, they're both option football teams, and that was that was my fancy. I loved watching option football just because of the aggressive nature of it, the ability that you're going to still run the ball, and there'd still be some power plays in there that you could run. So Cedar Falls ran split back beer option, and then Ed Nelson at Water West ran the I formation, but ran triple out of that. And that's kind of where I started getting my itches of, ooh, you know, what, what would I do if I had a chance to to you know, run an offense. What would I? What would I choose to do? So those guys were a huge impact on me as well. And before I, I stop on that part of my life, I also want to mention back in high school, my defensive coordinator uh, Dennis Abel was a huge impact on me. A uh, very businesslike coach, uh, stern, and yet knew how to knew how to embrace a lighter moment when you needed it. But you know, provided a lot of discipline. Demanded a lot of me. He demanded a lot of myself to be as good as I could be. I just took it all to heart, and I just owe him a ton because you know that went on. I had I had great teammates, Dave. Don't get me wrong, but I ended up being you know an all conference and an all state you know uh, type of accolades because of them. It wasn't just me; it was because of Coach Abel and and things like that. And and coming back after my college to be able to talk to Coach Abel. And then, I don't know if you remember, but Tom Pleen uh, was also the head coach at the time, back in those early, what, 90s, late 80s, or 90s, somewhere in there. And between Coach Tom Pleen and Dennis Abel helping me out as a, as a young coach who had all kinds of enthusiasm, but just had really no clue how to go about everything, between those two fellows and Coach Mitchell and Coach Ed Nelson, I couldn't have been on a, I couldn't have got a better jump start. To, uh, well, learning how to coach high school football. Well, it, it definitely seems like uh, uh, everything kind of lined up for you. But when you get your uh, degree, now what happens? Where do you go? Uh, yeah, um, so I went down, ironically, you know, back in the days, it was very difficult to find jobs. And uh, I was, uh, I wanted to coach football really bad. And it, and it was getting late in the summer. And actually, a job came open in, in Missouri as a very small school. And they were, like, well, we don't have football here, but our neighbor's school that we kind of do stuff with, they do have football. And I said, well, I want to really coach football, but I can, I'll can, i be willing to do other things. So they really wanted a, a boys and girls basketball coach. And it really, you know, something that was I took as a challenge, and uh, I did it. And uh, But the thing is, I also had to coach softball in the fall, so I couldn't coach football. So... Uh, the very first year out of out of college, I was just thinking to myself, "Okay, wait a minute. I'm not I'm not getting out of this what I wanted to really get out of this. I, I really want to coach high school football, and I'm sitting here not doing that. I go, this doesn't make any sense. So, 
uh, the school ironically was going to close. And uh, so because of that, I was like, oh, okay, well, I was probably going to look to move on anyway uh, because I wanted to coach high school football. So that took me from uh, Fillmore, Missouri, all the way up to New Auburn, Wisconsin. Uh, and then just looking for a PE health driver ed teacher and assistant high school football because it was a smaller school. And uh, I went up there and uh, just I, I just loved the place. It was really, really nice. It was a good school and the people were friendly. And so uh, that's kind of where I left right out of college. I had an idle year where I got disappointed. I already coached two years of high school football when I wasn't even graduated. And now that I was graduated, I couldn't even coach high school football. So I was like, this isn't happening. I'm going somewhere I can coach football. And that's I ended up in Wisconsin. So, and that was uh, where a lot of other stories start. So, <laughs> but I'm thankful for that. Everybody has their own path, you know, that you just have in life. Well, uh, how long between uh, Wisconsin and you becoming a head coach? Well, there is an ironic story. So I take all, I, I take that position as an assistant up there. I'm all but, I don't know, 24 years old. Maybe maybe twenty five. Can't quite remember now. Again, that's a lot of things will do to me like that, Dave. When you get older, so sorry. But uh, <laughs> I went up there, and uh, our head coach uh, had some heart problems as well, and just with blood pressure and things like that. And his doctor was like, you know, you just probably you, you get too worked up during football. It's just not a good thing. So he stepped down, and I was just sitting there as an assistant. And uh, and the uh, principal and superintendent approached me, and they're like, look, we can look outside our district, but we don't really have a lot of teacher needs. But you're young, enthusiastic, you, you know the game, and our kids respond to you. Uh, you got a good bond with them, and we'd like you to think about being our head coach. And I'm like, I know nothing about being a head coach. I go, I, that's not really something I don't want to do at this age. I said, I'd like to coach some more before I'd ever – do something like that, and they, they, I think a whole day went by, and they came back, called me in the office, they go, well, think about it, and he goes, because we're going to answer it for you, we want you to be the head coach, and that's what we need you to do here, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I go, so if I make mistakes, and like, we got your back, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm a head coach at a smaller school, and that's, that's what I did, I, I did that for, uh, geez, what was it, seven Seven years, something like that, as a uh, head coach, and and the program had a history, but it, it had lost some of its history. The participation just wasn't there. The dedication wasn't there. And uh, I think it was probably my third or fourth year in. I was getting a little frustrated, even with myself. I had high expectations of trying to move it forward, and I almost thought about quitting and getting out of everything. And my superintendent, he heard me with the rumblings and called me in his office. He's like, I'm sending you down to a, a clinic called a stress-free educator. You're going to come back a new man, and everything's going to be just fine in your life. And I was looking at him. I go, why am I going? He goes, well, it's called stress-free, and I know you're going through some stress. You're hard on yourself, expectations. I want you to go to that. So I went there, came back, a new person. And learned some things from the you know clinic about how you can care, but you don't, you can't take everything to bed with you at night, uh, which I was doing at the time. I didn't know how to handle all those things when I was younger. And uh, I'll be darned, 
the next year we had our, our first win, you know, winning season. Uh, and we had another winning season. I ended up my last two years, we were a conference champs the last two years in a row, the first championships in a number of years at that school and, uh, you know, went to the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. And that's how I kind of started out my, my young career was up there in New Auburn, Wisconsin. So I, and that was where a, a lot of fun stories. I got a couple of your, we can sidetrack for a second. But okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just, well, Wisconsin. listen, uh, uh, you're up in Wisconsin. You're hankering for a hunk of cheese up there. Uh, uh, but you, you got, there's a lot of stories that we, you know, and we're, we're 25 minutes into this talk and we haven't got to one of the stories yet. So uh, you had some really interesting things happen over your career, some wild stories. I love wild stories. My audience loves wild stories. So let, let's get to it, Coach. Okay, one of them was uh, the tale of the uh, runaway uh, kicking shoe. So this was back in the day when, you know, the only kicker I had on my team used what they, you know, you remember, the square-toed kick shoe. I do. You know, the, yeah, the kicker would run off the field. He'd kick his shoe <laughs> up and put on the kicking shoe. He'd run back onto the field. Okay, anyway, that, that's the scenario for the listeners if they don't put a, a square-toed kicking shoe because he wasn't a soccer-style kicker anyway. So we were sitting there one day, and this is one of the years uh, where we're having a really good season, and, you know, we were running everything on a clock just like I've been taught. You know, stay on task, stay on task. That makes a good practice. That makes a good, you know, uh, team preparation, blah, blah, blah. So we get to the point where we're ready to do some extra point field goal kicking, as every team does. And this dog that's always around our field decides for this one time to sit over by our bench. And it's always on the run. I can't remember the dog's name. But anyway, <laughs> see, I go, I go, all right, let's try to kick. So the kicker starts jogging over to the bench while the dog was sitting by the shoe. Well, and that's what happened. The dog uh, bit the shoe, grabbed the shoe in his mouth as the kicker was running. <laughs> as he tried to run over, this dog just takes off, Dave. He's on the field, and he's running. At first, the whole team were laughing at the kicker, all right? And so I watched this on for about 30 seconds. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we're, we're off our clock. We're, we're losing time. And all of a sudden, I start yelling at the kids. I'm like, hey, we, somebody get the dog. Somebody get the and this dog, I'm not kidding, he is sprinting left, right, back, forward, all over this football field, and there's about 40 kids trying to chase it, and nobody can run this dog down. Every time somebody would get close, this dog would make a tremendous move, you know, like your world's greatest running back, and would just elude people. So we thought we chased this stupid dog and this kicking shoe in his mouth. I swear it's probably four or five <laughs> before he finally got worn out with everybody chasing him. And then he just sat down, he dropped it, <laughs> and we picked it up to remain practice. So moments like that, uh, we all had a good chuckle. We all laugh about it, even to this day with some of the kids back then. So that was uh, that was a fun moment in football. Things so, like that don't happen every day. So that was in Wisconsin? Yeah, that was up there, Wisconsin. And, no, uh, and you Colorado. had a, uh, an exchange student up there, too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. A another great story. He's tied to actually two good stories. So one of them was the, the uh, he was came from Poland, so his English was limited. He had some, but it was limited. So at the very beginning of the season, 
We have four teams scrimmage. Now, this tells you how far maybe Iowa is behind the state of Wisconsin. But, you know, some of those years ago, back in the late 90s, mid-90s, uh, Wisconsin had a four-team scrimmage. And four teams would show up, and you start at the 35-yard line, so two teams would go 35-yard down on, on one side, two teams would go 35-yard down on the other. So four teams would be on the field at once. And the cool part was back that day, this little history, and since we're talking about Iowa football, when they did that, you tried to invite different types of teams to your scrimmage. So you got to look at somebody who liked to throw a lot. You got to look at somebody who ran the wing tee, the triple option, power football. You know, you could go on and on. And that's just what you did. So he was confused. So the rules were similar to our scrimmage. Now you couldn't do a live. They didn't want you to do a live kick or anything, but you could kick. But you couldn't have a live try to block it type of thing. So what happened is our snapper, we only had one snapper, long snapper, short snapper. He got he got injured during the scrimmage. So when we were got we wanted Bartos to kick, because he was a pretty good kicker for us. So I said, Well, hey, uh, I went over to this other team. I go, guys, I need this kid to kick, but we don't have anybody who can long snap. So I looked at the coach. Coach looked at me. He goes, well, do you want us to snap for him? Nobody can rush you anyway. I'm like, well, yeah, that'd be great. So our kids are standing over on defense now, and Bartos from our team gets behind the other team to kick an extra point field goal, several of them, behind the other team. Now, you can imagine if you're trying to learn football, I didn't even think about it, but the kid's learning something wrong. <laughs> he thinks he's got to be – on the other team to kick the ball. So he kicks the ball through, and I'm thinking, hey, great. But what happens to us, in the very first game we play next week, that's what he did, Dave. So when we when we scored, he's standing in the end zone with his extra point pad from the other team. He's waiting for the other team to go snap in the ball. And it took us forever to try to explain. <laughs> like, no, Marcos, you got to go to our team. He's like, no, coach, no, no. This team, I go, no, that, that was last week. But we were trying to just get you some practice. So he was all all confused and stuff like that. But anyway, the, the cool part was, the second part of that story is, we win that game, and it's a huge win for us. Uh, first time we had beat this school, I think it was, it was, it was called Bruce, Wisconsin. And uh, we go back to their locker room when the game was over, and uh, he's the guy that brought up the Grammy chant. He is just, after we talked a little bit, he is screaming at the top of his lungs. And he won't stop, and he just goes over and over and over this Grammy chant. And finally, when he got done, he was exhausted almost. And we're like, Marcos, what are you doing? He's like, Coach, I just, I celebrate, I celebrate. I'm like, what do you say? I celebrate. And I'm like, what do you say? He goes, I, I don't know in English. He goes, I know in Polish. And I go, well, yeah, we heard you saying stuff, but we don't understand it. So I, so I said, hey, Bartos, if there's no swear words here, can you just translate it for us? And then uh, we'll do it next time we win the game. So he, he brings it to school, you know, the next uh, Monday. He brings it into me. It's all broken down. It was Bagrami, 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 which meant victory, victory, victory. It was like Ipsapokanami, which is we fight like, you know, battle dogs. We're, we're battling hard. We're battle dogs. And then it was uh, Bome, Nastash, and the Isle of Sea, which is because we are the very best, meaning in that competition, that game, you were the best, that's why you won. 
So the kids really like it. So we're like, oh, okay, but Rami, 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 eats Konami, Gomei, the Sash, and the I of C. So it just became a chant. We just kept doing it. And then, of course, people wanted it on their T-shirts. And we did. it just kind of manifested itself back then. But I just always liked it. It was something fun. It was different. And we did it all through my, my years there in Wisconsin. And then uh, by the time I became coach again, which was actually – down in uh, Fort Madison, you know, I was, I was trying to teach them how to do the Vagrami as well. You know, that's that's another fun story down the road. But yeah, it traveled from there, from Wisconsin, all the way back down here with me. And then, as you know, uh, I used it again because we're the dogs. We're dogs. We're greyhounds. We're battle dogs. So it just made sense. Uh, I I just I said, you know what? I'm breaking out the Vagrami. We're gonna we're gonna embrace winning. We're gonna we're gonna expect to win. We're gonna have a different attitude. We're, we're going to ring the bell at practice. We're going to chant the cry. We're going to learn how to do it. It's a big poster in our locker room. I mean, we just embraced it. And uh, the kids embraced it. It's on our helmets, on our bumper, by our face mask. And uh, it's just become a great thing. It's just an easy little catch thing that, that gives our own culture some meaning. And uh, it, it's just been a lot of fun. Good story. Well, you got a couple other singers you were telling me about. Which one you want to go with next? <laughs> yeah. Well... Another one is uh, still up in Wisconsin. Uh, we we did develop just this is a quick one, but, but between me and this uh, friend of mine, befriended each other really through the rivalry. We were two rival schools about twenty seven uh, miles apart, but between us was was about the biggest, longest birchwood forest you can imagine. Just tons of birch trees everywhere. I mean, just beautiful white. There were other trees mixed in as well, but a lot of birch trees. It just looked really cool. And uh, one time uh, we both got to talking, and and uh, I just said, you know, Raleigh, I said, uh, he was over at Lake Holcomb, we're in New Auburn, I said, you know, would you like to play for just a fun travel trophy between the two schools? It's a good rivalry. You know, we respect each other. Our kids respect each other. It's, you know, we had been on the losing end of that rivalry quite a bit, but and he's like, yeah, what do you got in mind? I said, well, you know, I said, there's a lot of birch trees between us. And I said, we're the Trojans, you're the Chieftains. Uh, I don't know if they're still the Chieftains at the time, but back then they were. I said, I tell you what, how about the battle for the birch tree axe? You know, the, the person who owns a, the, the axe cuts down the trees and, and uh, provides warmth and, and fire for their, for their uh, communities all winter long while the other ones freeze in the cold of the frozen Wisconsin tundra. So he was, he kind of laughed. He's like, "Oh, this is cool." So we, you know, we painted their their colors purple, and the head was white. Flipped it over, painted the other side blue, and the head was gold for our colors. And uh, it's a really cool decorative trophy, and and they still exchange it today. It just became a a cool travel trophy. Ironically, the very first game we played for that trophy, Dave, that was my first conference uh, championship. I was part of with the kids and the other coaches. So. We, we, he, he, gave, he gave me that trophy. He's like, if I'd have known you were going to make this trophy and take it right away, I wouldn't agree to it. <laughs> so he just kind of chuckled. But, you know, again, we're good friends and became friends as we coached against each other. And uh, then we won it the next year and we kept it. And, you know, you just kind of hoisted it around. And it was a real act. I mean, I don't even know if they'd let schools get away with something like that. Now, this thing was a huge, real act that was painted. It was heavy. It was a double blade. Act. so but uh yeah travel trophy there so that that was uh, another fun thing that it just puts a memory smile on my face that two rival communities can respect each other enough to have a little fun and 
trade a travel, you know, trophy with each other and have no malice about it or anything like that. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So yeah. Another story, quick one about a mouth guard. So when I was in Fort Madison, just to kind of take you on that journey. So eventually I go from New Auburn to Fort Actons in Wisconsin there two years. I uh, decided to get my family back closer southeast to Iowa, so Fort Madison came came about, and we did that. And uh, so in Fort Madison, I was there, and they said, "Look, Coach, you only have seven varsity players." I go, seven varsity players? How can we have a varsity football team if you're hiring me for this job?" And they're like, "Well, if we can get some sophomore parents on board, we think we can field enough to have a team. You might have about 15 kids on your varsity or something like that." And, We'll, we'll get you through. You're not going to win a game for a couple of years. And, of course, I, I, that was really a challenge when I heard that. And I'm like, wow, I'd love to win one just to prove people wrong. But you got to remember when you have, like, you know, three seniors and four juniors and you're trying to beat programs that were that are already established, that was a pretty tall order. And uh, I, we did get the numbers built up and all that. But what happened is in that, I believe it was that we didn't win a game might have been the first year, second year. I can't quite remember, but we're down in Quincy Day, and this is a um, we are down uh, south. Uh, yeah, we're down seven to nothing, and there's just a couple of minutes left, like one or two minutes left. And uh, this team had just drove the ball pretty far down the field to put them up seven nothing with like two minutes left in the game. Quincy was not winning any games; they were kind of like us, going winless. And uh, even the year before, like like I guess our kids were or something anyway. So it was big, basically a, a, somebody was going to win a game that night. And uh, Quincy went up. It was 6 nothing, And they kick off. Okay, there's like a minute left or something like that. Our kids are dejected anyway. I'm running back, and I, I wish I I could remember this young man's name right now. It saluted me. But uh, he was kind of a soccer player, a very good athlete. Also, you know, a pretty good talented athlete on the football field, but he runs the kickback. So in the middle, it's six six. Uh, sorry, it was seven six. It was seven nothing. So it was seven to six. And I, I told, I remember as he ran back, I, I tried to slip right over. I said, "No." I said, "We're not here to tie a game. We're here to win a game because we've been challenged with trying to win a game, not tie a game." So we went for two. So that kid who had just ran this 80-something yard kickoff back, he is exhausted. So I'm thinking a little bit ahead of myself, and he was a, he was kind of a split end. We were similar offense back down there as we were in Burlington, similar a little bit. But he was a split end for us, which we, we kind of used. He had some talent. So I took him. I, I said, well, hey, he ain't going to do anything. Let's keep him out split end running back. So he's split end out there. I figure he can just rest out there, won't end to the right. Had a good play call. We'll get two points, punch it in, and we're going home winning eight to seven. So we run the play. We punch it in. It's eight to seven. Our sideline, our kids, our fans down at Fort Madison, they're going crazy. And so am I, and so are the coaches. And we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to pull this thing off with, you know, less than a minute left or whatever it was left. And eight to seven. And then our kids are starting to run off the field. And here it is. There's a yellow hanky on the field. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, no. So we look out there. And this guy, I said, what's the penalty on? He goes, yeah, that's um, – and this is the guy on my sideline where we ran the ball, too. He goes, yeah, way over on the other sideline, Coach, that split end. 
And I go, yep, yep. He goes, yeah, he had his mouth guard hanging out. It wasn't in his mouth. I'm like, oh, my Lord. I go, that doesn't even impact the play. He took one step. And he's like, coach, I didn't call it. The other guy, either we got to enforce it. It's going back. So, needless to say, we did not get our two-point conversion. Like, we, we could not even, it was, it was we, we lost the game seven things. So, that's kind of how, you know, that one went, the mouth guard story. That was a heartbreaker down in Fort Madison, just when I thought we could we could get our first win and have a Vagrami down there. Because, you know, the blood outs, the blood outs are dogs. So, it made sense to me if you're a battle dog, you're a blood out and, and uh, stuff like that. So, it just didn't happen. It wasn't in the cards. And then I end up uh, leaving from there. And uh, the next year, we had had participation numbers up. I came to Burlington uh, as an assistant. And the numbers were up. And I remember telling um, Coach Wall Jasper, you know Tom Wall Jasper probably. You a little bit? Okay. Anyway, he was a longtime legend. So there anyway. So Coach Wall Jasper took over that team. And uh, they had a winning season. I believe they were like six and three. So we had, a, we had a bunch of kids, about 50 kids on the varsity team then. Um, and, you know, they even beat Washington and Lloyd Cisco, who was, had some of his better years and teams up there in Washington. They beat them. And uh, it was just something I, I didn't get to experience as a head coach. But I, I did enjoy watching those young men. But I was worth a couple, with a couple of years. I uh, re- realized something I thought that could happen down there, and that is to be competitive. And, and to have participation levels like a normal high school should. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a good experience down in Fort Mass, and it was a good memory. Tim Lamb was the AD who hired me and uh, very supportive. Couldn't have asked for a, a better guy to work for than Tim Lamb. Well, uh, that's a lot of stories. It was an interesting career. Um, uh, did you have another one? or? Well, my only last story was, and the kids kind of thought it was odd and funny, and they kept asking me, but when I came to Burlington, I said, you know, guys, we're going to do stuff right. I said, and they kept asking, when are we going to do this? Or when are we going to pass the ball? Or when are we gonna... And I just said, we're not doing anything until point A is mastered. When point A is ma- letter A is mastered, we're going to master letter B, letter C, letter D. I said, we have a checklist. I, even, I remember even showing them. Here's our checklist. We're not even close to getting down to some of those things. If we do things right, you're going to benefit in the end. I said, I said to him, I go, don't you guys eat ribs? And they just looked at me. You know, this is the middle of a hot football practice in August. I mean, it's 95 degrees, probably 110 off the turf down there. And Grace, well, and, and I just kind of stopped from coaching. And we, I just go into the story about ribs. And these guys are like, they're just looking at me. I'm like, yeah, ribs. You know, don't who eats ribs? And finally, I got some hands to write them. I said, all right, you're gonna go eat a rib, whether it's barbecue or just straight on the bone like it is smoked. Don't care. I said, do you want to chew a rib on a bone that's chewy and doesn't come off the bone, or do you want that thing to be nice and moist, succulent, juicy, falling off the bone and going into your mouth as you pull on it with your teeth, or whether you pick it off with your fingers? And I think these kids are getting hungry at the time when I'm in the story. And they're just like, yeah. well, yeah, coach, that sounds real good. Those sound real good. We should have ribs. I go, well, guess what? I'll make sure that we have ribs at the end of this camp. And so we actually had a guy make us some, some ribs uh, for the end of that camp week when it was so hot at night. But 
the, the point of the story was, is, is I kept trying, I kept going back to that as a season in my very first year here. I'm just like, my guys, like, you know, when, when the ribs are nice and moist and they're ready to be eaten, then we're ready to do other things. But if not, we're just going to keep cooking. And we're going to cook it until it's just right and we take it a step further. Then you can start talking about your your different barbecues or seasonings that you'd like to put on the next batch or, hey, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to put this on it. And, you know, the kids just kind of chuckled at me at the time. And then, lo and behold, some radio station, uh, they came down on on that very same day and they're interviewing me. So I'm stupid. What do I talk about with this guy? Ribs. So he's he's probably looking at me like, what is this guy talking about? But I gave the same analogy, Dave. I'm like, we're going to do things the right way. We're going to eat those ribs when they're, when they're good and ready and not before. And that's just the way I am. I want to do things right and uh, get good at things before because it doesn't do any good to run a bunch of plays. Well, this is not the, yeah. This is <laughs> not know? the first time I've talked to you where you made me hungry. <laughs> yeah, I could use a rib, some ribs right oh, now. Oh, man, I'm that hungry. does sound pretty good. But, uh, <laughs> well, I got just a few more questions for you. Uh, one, first question is who was the best player you ever played with? Maybe it isn't even football. Maybe it was when you were in playing baseball in junior college or something. But who was the best athlete teammate you ever had? Oh, wow. That is a tough one. Um, if you just had to go with probably uh, super talent, I mean, as far as just very, being very gifted, ironically, it was probably in junior college baseball. I played on a baseball team, and we had a basketball kid who ended up being an All-American, first-team All-American, I believe, for them, named Winston Garland. And Winston at, at SEC out here was an All-American point guard. Uh, he was very good, went to the NBA and played the NBA. He was one heck of a pitcher, Dave. And he showed up, and, of course, we knew we knew Winnie. We called him Winnie. We knew him just from being friends on campus and, you know, being athletes and stuff like that. And we would hang out together. uh doing stuff and uh but he's like he's like uh the coach said i could come out my basketball coach said i come out and play baseball with you guys and i'm looking at him thinking winning what do you even know about baseball he's like well i, I believe it or not and gary and dan I, I used to i used to pitch i'm like you used to pitch he's like yep i used to pitch <laughs> and he can pitch dave I, I couldn't believe it we all just watched this kid we're thinking here's an all-american point guard it's gonna go on to work or play for Charlie Spoonhour down in Southwest Missouri after he's done with SEC. And then he's going to go on and play in the NBA as a point guard for a while. And we're just watching this kid pitch and he, he was pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying he was major, you know, MLB draft material, but uh, just watching how well he played basketball and then watching how well he could throw, you know, pitches, spot pitches, curveballs, sliders, fastballs, changeups. We were impressed. So probably Winston Garland, I'm going with that. But, well, that's not a uh, bad answer. I knew that you'd have a great answer or interesting answer. <laughs> well, what about who's out. the best player you ever played against? Oh, boy. I, I, I'm telling you, that's a tough one. It could be that Kilfoy kid from uh, Davenport Assumption. I believe his name was Tim, maybe. I just remember Kilfoy. I like the name. I thought, what a great football name, Kilfoy. Led the state in like interceptions, and he went on to play at University of Northern Iowa. 
and just was a phenomenal player. Uh, and there's been a lot of good. I've seen a lot of good players. I mean, you got to include that. That's, that's Kilfoy now, and he tore up our, our league with interceptions, including Burlington High School at the time when I was an assistant. He had several the night we played. He just had a, the nose for the ball. He was an incredible player, extremely intelligent, gifted athletically. But I'm telling you, I no sooner say that, Dave, than uh, you know, I'm an Arizona Cardinal fan. Uh, and we finally won our second game the other day. Uh, thank heavens. It's hard to watch and lose all the time. But David Johnson out of Clinton. You know that name, David? Yeah. Johnson? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, uh, Scotty calls him the, the good David Clint, uh, Johnson. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you, Dave, he was special to watch. And that includes all the famous kids that have come out of Bettendorf and everywhere else. You know, the, the Pat Angers of the world or the, or the Greenwoods or... You know, you can go on and on with the famous kids that were coming out of the MAC conference at the time. But uh, I'm going to tell you, David Johnson, I watched him on a film as I was a D coordinator, and I was like, heavens to Mervyn Troy. This kid, he's something special. And I remember I remember we had played Bettendorf, and uh, we were on their sideline, and the chain gang was uh, they were asking about Clinton. They hadn't played them, and we had. And I'm like, well, I go, guys, I'm going to tell you one thing about Clinton. And, you know, Clinton went on to win the state title, I believe, that year. And, and they had a lot of good players on that team. And if they weren't the state title, they were the runner-up. I know they're in the title game. But, and again, my memory loses me from being old. But anyway, I remember telling that chain gang, I said, guys, as many good athletes you've had here, and you've had a lot. You go back to Tavian Banks at that North and some other people like that. I said, I'm telling you, this David Johnson, He's one of the best running backs I think I've ever seen. And they're like, oh, he's not that good. We've, we've seen him. We've had scouts. He's not that good, Coach. I'm like, oh, and I'm a terrible assessment of assessor of skills, and I'm sorry I talked to you guys. And I said, good luck to you uh, next week when you play Clinton. <laughs> and, and David Johnson did his thing against Bentor. So, you know, uh, he was a really talented player. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I got spoiled in one of my first years there at Waterloo uh, West. I, I coached a split end. His name was Eddie Madlock. And he ended up being a phenomenal athlete and had a basketball uh, scholarship at the University of Northern Iowa. I mean, he was probably the most most unselfish, athletic, talented, hardest-hitting split end I have ever seen in my, in my career. He, hands down, he hit like you know, Dick Butkus. That was back in the days. You remember that? Day. I remember Crack. Dick Butkus. Yeah, and you remember Crackback Blocks. I remember when, it all. So, yeah. Back before the tuck rule and the baby uh, and the quarterback stuff was in vogue and, and <laughs> men were men and uh, and uh, uh, the sheep were nervous, I guess. Mercy, uh, yep, mer mercy. I'm telling you, Eddie uh, Madlock, he was he was something. He would just destroy people. And uh, it was so easy to coach, so coachable. And you just look at other kids and like, this is the effort I need from everybody. You need to all play like him. I mean, that's just the kind of leadership he provided with his, with his actions. And, and he was a great kid, too. I mean, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of years ago. I mean, one, one of the tougher, let me, let me give a shout out here to a really tough kid uh, named James Linares. He was a quarterback down in Fort Madison. When I was first there, uh, Coach Doherty would, would know James and know of James. And uh, anybody listening to this down there, 
in Fort Madison. I'm telling you, that James Lenaro's, and he had a feisty brother, Brad, too, let me tell you. There's a lot of tough kids down there. But uh, James Lenaro's, he was one of, probably one of my favorite quarterbacks I, I probably ever coached, and I didn't get to coach him long enough because uh, I believe he was a senior when uh, when, I, when he showed up for me. And I thought, man, I would have loved to have this kid as a, as a freshman, sophomore, junior, the things he could have done with audibling and all this other stuff. But you know, I'm going to tell you something, Dave. That, that kid, we were on a drive in a game with somebody, and it was kind of a close game. And, again, we were, we were winless trying to win a game. And uh, he gets down to about the 10-yard line. He was an option quarterback. He was rough. I mean, he, he loved the game. He loved physical contact. But anyway, he looks over at me, and his pinky is a 90-degree angle. It's sideways. It's disgusting to look at. He looked at me, and he just holds it up in the air. He goes, Coach. And I didn't really know what he was doing at first. And then I'm looking at his finger, and it's sideways. He goes, I got this finger. And I go, what? He does back today. And I'm just like, you want to come out, James? Let's go. He's like, no, Coach. I need the play. And I'm just thinking, holy God, this kid is tough. I already knew he was tough, but that finger was, it, it was messed up. And, uh, of course, he's taking a snap, you know. And he's, he's meshing with a fullback and everything else. And he just went right back down there with that busted finger he had or whatever he had going on all the time. Taking snaps, leading the drive, we scored, you know. Uh, just a great moment out tough. Of course, then when he come off the field, then they, they attended to him. And later on, it just, you know, it was one of those things you had to tape it up and, I don't have to put it back in place, all that good stuff. But yeah, that, that kid, he was tougher than tougher than nails. So another good story there for you. But, wow, that's a great story. Are there any other, uh, you know, athletes that you coached or coached against, or or anything in your career that you want to mention? Well, there's just so many of them. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for them all. I mean, there was some, there's been talented kids at every school. I've been at it, whether it was, you know, my first in New Auburn, Wisconsin. I still talk to some of those kids today. I'm actually more impressed with the stories they have become as men and people and fathers. And some of them are business owners and some of them are just really good workers. And some of them are still in the military as career people. Uh, one of my starting quarterbacks up there, when we helped me get his part, turning the program around as a leader, uh, you know, he's still in the Air Force. He's stationed up in Hawaii. Uh, I can go on to all my other schools, even in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. There's some really good kids. And Fort Madison, great kids. I mean, Peter Jennings, I know he coaches. Not that, you know, that makes him any more special than anybody else. But as an example, you know, I, I ran into Peter. Uh, he was quarterback down there for, for myself. And he's coaching college football. And I've run into him in some uh, coaching clinics. We'll just be walking by each other and then embracing a hug and chew the fat for a few minutes. And I believe he was at Minnesota State for a while. I kind of lost track in the last year or so if he's still there, whether he moved on to somewhere else. But, uh, you know, it's just stories like that. And, of course, here in Burlington, you know, there's so many so many good kids. Uh, and, again, I've gone on to great things. I, there's just so many of them. It's, it's hard to yeah, you know, pick a few out, out, you know. Yeah, it really is. Well, uh, let's get on a different topic then here. Uh, um, this is my I guess it's going to have to be my last question because yeah. you probably still have a, 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 a job to do today. But uh, what's the future of high school football in Southeast Iowa? Um, 
do you know who's going to replace you or, or or who are some of the, the the coaches in the surrounding area that that those high schools are in good shape with having these guys oh uh, well that, you know i'll tell you what uh i'm gonna start with my own staff i mean the, the guys that are here at Burlington high school that are so un- unfortunately some people stepped out with me they were they were i recruited them to coach with me uh they kind of knew of my system and they were comfortable with me so they're stepping down with me so that's several coaches and then uh, uh i wouldn't we really couldn't finish this this uh broadcast day without mentioning our, our late coach Ramondo randall who passed away just a week after the season i don't know if you heard of that news but he was uh, one of our running back coaches and uh, you know, he had a, a hard situation that that uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, took him away from us. Uh, he was uh, a great man, great for our program. Uh, we can't thank you enough. That was a rough period for us to go through. It's made it a little bit easier to talk today because there's been a little distance in between today and some of that stuff that happened right after our season. But um, you know, we love Coach Coach Doe is what we called him. And, Everybody did. He's going to be sorely missed. But if you take the guys that are coming back, they have a, I want to mention them. I mean, Joe Hessoy, our defensive line coach, uh, Sean Coleman, a linebacker coach. Um, we got uh, Peyton Clawson, who was a volunteer, was a teacher in our building, and he's more, you know, more than should be deserving of, of one of our vacancies uh, to carry on next year. He was also a linebacker, secondary coach. Uh, and then you got. Uh, uh, Jordan Webb is my defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, Jordan played for me. Jordan did a great job of their defense. Uh, very cerebral. And then Josh Osborne, same thing. Great job of the offense. Uh, holistically looking at the entire offense in addition to running, coaching running backs, also played for me. I mean, they're both, all these guys are great guys. And if any of them uh, decide to throw their hat in the ring, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have their back. I know. Coach Shop would take a serious look because it's pretty it's pretty common sense. They were a huge factor, all of those guys that I mentioned, in setting the culture here at Burlington High School and getting things turned around for the better. I mean, they, they did all the hard work. They, they pushed up their shirt sleeves up to the elbows just like me and did all the things that I had to do. That's just our school bell. Sorry about that. But, um, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't say enough about those guys. And I hope one of them once and has an interest in, you know, in taking over for me. And I would love to see one of them be in that position to do what I did. I, I think they're all worthy. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, Southeast Iowa in general, let me take a quick shot of water. You know, there's some really good programs in the area. I mean, just look at what uh, uh, Coach Doherty's done with Fort Madison. Look what uh, you know happens up with Minneapolis. Look what uh, even Coach Bowman had a, a turnaround year for West Burlington, and you know, uh, you know you got a new coach at Mount Pleasant, and uh, Keokuk. From what I understand, not sure if, if Coach is coming back down there. Uh, we heard some more things that he might be moving on to something else, but um, I mean, there's some really, really good athletes and competitive teams there. Uh, that make it fun to coach in Southeast I, and not to slight the smallest of the small schools, but I just truly don't 
have a lot of time sometimes to follow some of the smaller schools that might be playing eight man or one A or or A ball or something like that. And you'd know that over me. But uh, I just know that I think sometimes, Dave, what happens is that you got the, the Des Moines Register in the center of the state. Uh, it's kind of hard for message messages from southeast Iowa to reach, you know, into those areas of the state about what we do here, about the kind of kids we have here. We got kids worthy of all state. We got kids worthy of, of uh, playing in a Shrine game. And uh, when I say we, I'm meaning Southeast Iowa. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good football players down here. It surprised, it surprised me that more of them who have tried to play some college football don't land to some area colleges. And I think, if anything, it's, it's uh, for whatever reason, I just don't think our colleges that are close to us here within an hour and a half a radius have, have, have tapped into, if I can say it that way, some of the town. Some of their local resources, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got people that have visited us here at, at Burlington High School and talked to our kids. And, and, and it's amazing it's been them. They've, they've tried to get some kids to go there and have them, but I just would like to see some go on now. You know, we got a, the ones we got left now are still our, really our, uh, you know, our Julian Perez Hall and Nolan Simpson still playing football for Grandview University and Bryant Williams is is uh, out there at Iowa Western University, uh, Iowa Western Junior College, um, and then so is Kobe Wilden, Cam Wilden. He took a red shirt year, but he's in Bryant's class and he's back, and he's also at Iowa Western. So we got about four kids left that are playing college football, and we're proud of them. I mean, it's not it's not all about you got to be to be a good high school player. You have to go on and play college because you know high school's different. Some kids are are done after high school football, but you know, I don't know if they're just waiting, Dave, as far as somebody around here has got to keep winning a couple state titles or be in the final eight or final four and do it consistently for someone to stand up and say, hey, wow, Southeast Iowa is definitely uh, a factor year in and year out. I mean, I know we've made the playoffs. And I've been a proud of, uh, you know, we've been we've done it here at Burlington. We've done it in Southeast Iowa's done it with our other schools. Um, but I guess maybe, I don't know if that's what other uh, – people in the state are looking for until you, you know, you do something phenomenal over and over and over that maybe that's what it's going to take. I don't know, but I'm just saying Southeast football, Iowa football is good brand of football. There's a lot of good kids down here. Uh, you know, maybe our populations of some of our towns are a factor in all that. I mean, we're not a private school hooked onto a major metro area or, you know, just like Xavier. You know, it'd be nice to be a private school in the, in the middle of Cedar Rapids and let alone the Iowa City area that has private schools up there and stuff like that. The Des Moines schools that are private that can tap into those metro areas. Where, where does public schools in this part of the state for the most part? And you know, these are kids that live in our communities and that go to school here because they live here. They're, they're lifelong residents, many of them. And it seems like you'll, I don't know, that just makes it a little bit harder sometimes, but not making any excuses, but it, it is a different uh, anomaly for for uh, you know building you know winning programs that are consistently going to be up there at the top. Well, coach, it's been a, a great time talking to you. I'm going to miss talking to you on the weekly basis, but uh, uh, if we get need some advice or anything. I'm going to reach out to you. Uh, it's just sure. it's been. Uh, uh, 
a pleasure getting to know you and hearing all your stories and and uh, I'd say we could go on and on, but we we basically already have. Uh, yeah, it, you shake this old brain enough, you get a lot of stories out of it. There's 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 a lot of things. James, well, like I'm sure round guy, round guy radio is trying to be the bullhorn for the the kids that go to Southeast Iowa, and there's a lot of colleges. Uh, I think it, is it Loris up there, or uh, uh, I know uh, I know Graceland College is listening. I I I, I have a Grandview. Has taken a, a, a few of our local guys uh, yeah. recently, yeah. so uh, we got. I, I'm heard up to 17 different colleges are using uh, Round Guy Radio to kind of uh, look for some players, and uh, um, so it's been a, a great partnership with you and all the other coaches. But here at Round Guy Radio, on behalf of me and Scotty Melvin and everybody else, you know, we uh, uh, thought you were the coach of the year um, for everything you've done for all the, the season, and thank you so much for being with us. Well, I appreciate the honor. Uh, I really do, uh, and I appreciate what you're doing. I think it's great for this area of our state, and uh, there's a lot of magnificent coaches that are coaching their tails off, uh, you know, all year round in this part of the state, Dave. I really, really believe that. There's a lot of coaches, you know, I respect for, for what they do with their programs, and uh, we, we hope you make a trip to Bracewell Stadium. We think it's probably the best stadium. We're, we're obviously biased, but I think it's the best one in the state of Iowa. The view is as beautiful as you know. I sent you pictures. Yeah, I know. Uh, I might uh, use one of them for this uh, here episode, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, no, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to enjoy uh, just being a, a guy that's in charge of his own life and can attend to his family and friends when I want, when I wish. I'm going to enjoy watching high school games without putting the best of hours in them. But I'm still going to enjoy high school football and watching it uh, wherever I might end up, whether it's the, maybe the great state of Michigan or Florida or wherever we decide to go, me and my wife. And we got kids kind of scattered all over the country a little bit. So, uh, including one that lives right here. So that, that's what I'm looking forward to in my retirement. But thanks for having me on the show. I wish all the coaches that are listening here keep doing what you're doing in the profession. My 38 years isn't a magic number. It's not meant to impress anybody. It's just my story. And I'm just telling you those 38 years, that might seem like a long time to somebody, but I'm telling you, I thoroughly enjoyed all of them. Well, guys our age are just, uh, we just look forward to being close to a bathroom. Uh, <laughs> so we don't have to go up yeah. downstairs all the time. Well, yeah, uh, that's true. Thanks for being with us, Coach. It was an honor uh, getting to know you and follow the team with you. You had some great players and a really great season. And thanks for being with us. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Good luck to you in the future.